a Disaster, a podcast about disasters and the music they make us listen to. I'm Peter, and I'm still not here with my co-host, Lee. Hello, Peter. I'm still not here with you. It's kind of a bummer. Yeah. Not not being here. It's getting weird. It's get, it's, it is getting weird. Yeah. And it's also... Uh, uh, here's I'm going to let you in on a little inside secret, listeners. We edit the show a little bit. We cut around some stuff. Uh, yeah. And it's a lot harder when you're not sitting directly across from someone. I, I'll say something that I think is kind of going to make you chuckle. <laughs> and then either it takes too long or like I'm halfway through the next sentence and then you laugh. <laughs> and then when I go back to edit, it's like for fu- yeah. just moving so much shit around. Anyway, I'm looking forward to being face to face again. Yeah, <laughs> it's a lot of fun to try and recreate a natural conversation. Yeah, I think it's going I think it's been going okay. Nobody's messaged us being like, "Hey, you guys, you guys suck." Yeah. You so suck that's, that's pretty good. You were so awesome before, now you suck. What happened? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the pandemic what can we say so today you're joining us for a tragedy tuesday brought to you yeah. by me and i'm going to get to that in a minute but first i'm going to do a little bit of the housekeeping that i normally do okay if you're brand new here welcome happy to have you if you're wondering what you can do to help us out the best thing you can do is to tell a friend to listen to this podcast the next best thing you can do is subscribe wherever you listen and leave a review those are super helpful and help us get noticed and the more people notice the more people listen and the more people listen the more fun there is Mm. in a disastrous kind of way if you want to keep up with what we're doing on social medias at this disaster pod twitter instagram and facebook we have a website www.thisdisasterpod.com we have a patreon.com slash this disaster pod and patrons now have access to our brand new micro disasters so we've already got two out already and many more coming i did the very first one second one was from our pal nuclear norm we got one coming up in two weeks from lee that's right so those are those are gonna be coming out every two weeks every second saturday and uh, i think they're i think they're pretty cool yeah uh, i see some potential for some cool stuff there totally yeah so if you if you go on patreon.com slash this disaster pod you can become a patron and get access to those as well as access to live streams when we do major disasters and lots of other goodies including a discount on shirt pre-orders. Oh, that shirt pre-order is still going until the end of May. You've got just over a week left to pre-order your shirt. We're making this first batch to order. So if you don't pre-order a shirt this time, not sure when we're going to do the next batch. So if you want to get a shirt, yeah, pre-order it now. Just before I dive into the Tragedy Tuesday, on the topic of Patreon, actually, we have a little bit of listener feedback. So I asked everybody, we're doing these micro disasters as kind of solo things. Yeah. We just kind of come up with things that might be too short for a Tragedy Tuesday even. And we just tell a quick story about disasters and sometimes near misses. Mm-hmm. And I asked if people like that. And Brad, one of our patrons, said, it's a pretty cool format. And maybe we should consider instituting some kind of poll and have like a leaderboard of whose is doing best. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want visual proof that what I already know that you are way more interesting than I am. <laughs> well, no, I mean, I just I just put together the one that you did, your micro disaster, and it was super cool. Okay. So I don't know. I don't want it to go up and be like, hey, it turns out Peter's actually the boring one. <laughs> yeah. <But> anyway. <laughs> one of us loses in that situation. Yeah, we're going to... So- yeah, we'll take it under advisement and we'll see if we want to pit each other in a contest to the death. Exactly. But thanks for that suggestion, Brad. Thanks. I appreciate the <laughs> suggestion. It's better than nothing. We're listening. <laughs> we, we listen We listen to our patrons. That's, oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> but we also want to continue having a podcast, so maybe yeah. we'll not fight to the death. And a friendship. <laughs> so today, I am going to take you from neurons all the way to killer party balloons. Oh, 
Okay. <laughs> yeah. And all the road <laughs> markers in between. Well, that we'll we know see. and love. So, so Lee, did I ever tell you what I did in my research? What you did in your research? Yeah, so I used to be a research scientist before I oh. radically changed careers. No, I guess you never really told me specifically what you did, or you did and I completely forgot. So let's say no. I wouldn't blame you. It was pretty <laughs> niche. So I, I used to study ion channels using a technique called patch clamp electrophysiology. This is a technique where you attach an extremely fine-tipped glass pipette electrode to the surface of cells. You apply suction and break the membrane, and then you can record electrical activity as if you're part of the cell. Oh, yeah, cool. Techniques like this are how we know that ion channels exist and how they work. So it's, for example, we, we were able to record neurons firing, and that's how we know that neurons have electrical activity and that spiking activity sort of thing. So I did experiments where I could actually record that spiking activity from individual cells. Wow. You're like a god, sort of. It was, it was pretty cool, actually. <laughs> so, yeah. You could also learn what kind of compounds block what channels. So, for example, I don't know if you've heard of a poison known as tetrodotoxin. It's from pufferfish. I think there's like a certain type of chef like it has to be cooked perfectly and it's really sure. good. And if it's not cooked perfectly, it'll poison you. You die. Yeah, that's because of tetrodotoxin because it specifically okay. inhibits sodium channels. And we need sodium to flow out of the cell to help maintain an electrochemical gradient. And if that gradient breaks down, neurons stop firing and we die. So that's the kind of thing that nice. I used to work on. Oh, well, thank you. you <laughs> thank well, you for your service. Welcome. <laughs> I guess. Sure, I'll take it. Yeah. So I used to, basically, I used to record electrical activity from individual cells, which are tiny, like five to 10 microns in diameter. So one right. ten thousandth of a centimeter. And I try to, especially keeping in mind the last Tragedy Tuesday, where Nuclear Norm talked about metric to imperial conversion and the importance of that. Yeah. I spent some time trying to figure out what... 10 microns or one ten thousandth of a centimeter converts to in inches. And <laughs> okay. okay, so I'm not particularly religious, but I felt like I was sinning while I was doing it and right. I had to give up and take a shower. So <laughs> <laughs> and confess to Norm. Yeah, if you want to know how much one ten thousandth of a centimeter is in inches, I'm never gonna tell you. I can't do it. <laughs> <laughs> so you do have that information? I don't. Oh, okay. No. Okay. I tried to figure it out and I'm like <clears throat> No, sorry. No. The science runs too deep. It's metric all the way. Uh, but if, if you do want to hear about the trouble you can get into with metric conversions, check out Norm's Strategy Tuesday on the metric system. Yeah. So 26 and a half. So as you might imagine, the kind of recordings that I did on those kind of tiny cells were extremely sensitive to electromagnetic interference. So some days, actually, my experiments were ruined by a radio being turned on in another room or even the <laughs> lights in the lab coming on. <laughs> so oh, they're man. very sensitive. That is a volatile yeah. workspace. It was a colossal pain in the ass. And while it was super cool, and I, I have a lot of respect for people that do these kinds of experiments, mm -hmm. I don't miss doing them because no. they are a colossal pain in the ass. <laughs> <laughs> you just hear like sweet home Alabama from the other room and ever, your whole yep. day is like, oh, Darren, I, we talked about this. Total, uh, well, totally. And there's stuff like, I don't know if there's any electrophysiologists listening. If there are any, I'd love to write us because I can totally sympathize with what you go through. There were some experiments where like I was in the lab and I knew that at 4 p.m. I had to stop doing experiments because there was just going to be noise and I wasn't going to get anything. Oh, man. And I don't know what was causing it. It was just like 4 p.m. in the building. Something turned on and fucked with all my experiments. Just quitting yeah, time. It was a pain yeah. in the ass. Don't worry. Don't worry. This Tragedy Tuesday is not all about me. <laughs> I'm building up to it. You know how I, I, I've kind of lately I've been starting stories at one point and trying to see how far away from that point I can get yeah. by the end of it. So anyway. it's, a, it's a talent in a way. I, I'm getting there. All right. To shield my experiments from this kind of interference, 
The microscope that I was using was inside an enclosure made of copper mesh called a Faraday cage. Oh, yeah. Michael Faraday was a 19th century scientist who studied electromagnetism. And among his many achievements, he built what's known as a voltaic pile, which is a type of proto-battery that he made from copper coins stacked with zinc sheets and paper soaked in salt water. Cool. And that might ring a little bit of a bell if you're a Breaking Bad fan. Yeah, yeah. It's not, it wasn't the exact same kind of battery, but Walt and Jesse build a mercury oxide battery. Right. Which, again, it's different metals. Almost everything is different, but there was salt water. So it's a similar kind of principle. Was that when the the Winnebago battery died? <laughs> yep. That's the one. Jesse leaves the key. Right, yeah, right. Leaves the key. In the, the, yeah. the red light didn't come on. Most significantly, Faraday showed the electromagnetic charge on a conductor is distributed along the surface and has no influence on anything within the conductor. And this principle is what led to the development of the Faraday cage. So basically, in the context of electrophysiology, I had this giant copper cage on top of my microscope, and any electromagnetic charge was distributed over its surface and insulated whatever's inside. Right. And that's how a Faraday cage works. Cool. So beyond lab experiments, you can have Faraday cages in hospitals and MRI rooms. And in Mr. Robot. Oh, yeah. That's he has how one? I know what I, he, someone he visits ah. is, is in one. So he can't right. contact anyone during that time. So yeah. there you go. Cell phone won't I never actually tried that. But I, I imagine if I put my cell phone inside that cage, I probably wouldn't get a signal. Yeah. Yeah, probably not. Also, also a lot of electro electronic components in airplanes are inside Faraday cages and also uh, shielded cables a lot of times ah. act a little bit like Faraday cages. Okay. But I'm not going to talk about electromagnetism or Faraday cages. No, I'm going to talk about Michael Faraday's other invention that he's not so known for, <laughs> the rubber balloon. Okay, the rubber balloon. Yeah. Okay, keep going. So humans have been filling things with air for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> Themselves. And, well, sometimes they've even filled butts with smoke. But that's <laughs> yep. a different disaster. <laughs> that is if you want to check out... Shockingly... The shocking truth of that is in another episode. Episode 25 and a half. Yeah. Blowing smoke up your ass. <laughs> check that one out. That's all I'm going to say. If I say any more, I'm going to ruin it. So check, check it out. <clears throat> According to the complete book of balloon sculpting by John Merlin, <laughs> I read some of it. Yes, I read books. <laughs> all the books. Uh, air-filled sacks made from animal bladders were presented as offers to the gods by the Aztecs, <laughs> okay. which is kind of cool. And the gods were like... Get that disgusting thing out of here. <laughs> what is the matter with you? Well, the gods the gods sent them Cortez. Yeah. That's what you <laughs> They're get. like, oh, get the fuck <laughs> out of here. Episode six, yeah. smallpox in Mexico. Yeah. <laughs> Modern balloons are typically made from latex, and latex balloons were first manufactured by J.G. Ingram, and I think those came into existence around 1847. Nice. Faraday's rubber balloons came disassembled as two circles of rubber, and you basically had to lie them against each other and rub the ends until they sort of melted together. Okay. Uh, and then they were basically used to store gases for laboratory experiments. Okay. But... J.G. Ingram's latex balloons were more like what we're used to seeing now in party balloons, and they ultimately led to mass production of balloons that we've seen at birthday parties since, like, the 1930s. Okay. It's for fun. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So everybody loves a good helium-filled balloon. It floats. <laughs> it makes you sound like a chipmunk if you inhale it. Uh it drives your dog crazy as it chases the balloon around until it pops and your toddler son finds it hilarious. <laughs> What's not to love? Yeah. Perhaps nobody loves balloons more than Cleveland did in 1986. Uh -huh. 2 p.m. on Thursday, December 5th, 1985... 
Disneyland in California set the world record for most balloons released at once. And this was to mark what would have been Walt Disney's 84th birthday and the 30th anniversary of Disneyland's opening. Okay. So the park released 1 million balloons in front of a crowd of about 100,000 people, which was pretty impressive. Yeah, it's pretty good. 1 million balloons. That's a lot of freaking balloons. Right. But as a fundraiser, ostensibly, the United Way of Cleveland thought, hey... (laughs) If the owners of a massively successful and highly organized amusement park and media empire can coordinate a massive balloon release at their relatively isolated park, (laughs) why can't our charity organization try the same thing in downtown Cleveland with a ragtag mob of volunteers? Oh, we can top that. (laughs) Yeah, right? (laughs) Check out what the man did. He released a million balloons. Well... What is what does an organization like a like a well oiled machine know about releasing balloons? Exactly. We got this. We got news for you, Mickey Mouse. You don't know shit. <laughs> All right. (laughs) And on top of that, they thought, fuck it, let's do it better and release twice that. Let's release two million balloons. (laughs) Great. United Way's original plan was not just to beat Disneyland, but to crush them. And to accomplish this, they set up a giant suspended net that spanned the area of a city block. So 75 meters or 250 feet by 45 meters or 150 feet, at the third story height. Over 2,000 volunteers set up underneath the net and spent the entire morning filling balloons with helium and releasing them into the net. (laughs) Going going great. Yeah, great. So far, so good. As massive and ridiculous a feat as this sounds, just before 2 p.m. on September 27th, 1986, the net held 1.5 million balloons. (laughs) So they were actually getting there. (laughs) Sorry, how long did it take for them to get to that point? They started in the morning. They didn't say exactly when they started, but it's by 2 p.m. That day? So I think, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Oh my God. Yeah, I don't know when they started. Even if it was like at midnight, the fact that (laughs) by 2 p.m. they had 1.5 million balloons. Okay. So they were well on their way to 2 million and their goal of crushing Disneyland. (laughs) I mean, fundraising. Fundraising was the goal. Not crushing. Yeah, well, most, yeah. A a, a dollar bought you two balloons that could be included in the massive release. Okay. Thin veil on this one. (laughs) (laughs) Around this time, though, the weather began to turn and a storm front was coming into the area, threatening the release if it hit. Uh Although, to be fair, a storm system doesn't just kind of like sneak out from behind a tree. (laughs) Like the organizers kind of knew it was coming. I don't know. There's people who can sort of keep you apprised of that information. Um, Yeah. Here's a connection I didn't have in my notes, but we talked about that in the blizzard of 1888, the history of meteorology and how you can actually tell that storms are coming. Yeah. Yeah, well, maybe they didn't. Maybe they didn't read the news that day. <laughs> Just hoping for the best. So rather than scuttle the whole thing and waste all these balloons and helium, mm. they decided to release early. So they weren't quite going to crush Disneyland, uh. but five hundred thousand more balloons was still a big middle finger to Mickey Mouse. <laughs> still better. <laughs> I'm just picturing like the typical Cleveland person standing in front of Mickey Mouse and giving him like two fingers. <laughs> like, Take that. <laughs> Just before 2 p.m., the net was released, the balloons rose into the sky, and it was an amazing sight. Oh, just glorious. It was beautiful. There was lots of famous pictures of the event. Check out our social media and the the show notes for the links. It looked pretty awesome when they released it. Yeah. And there was much rejoicing and backslapping on the part of the United Way (laughs) because they had done it. They had stuck it to that smug mouse (laughs) once and for all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Except the corners of everyone's mouths <laughs> gradually turned downwards as they got a first-hand lesson in what happens to balloons when encountering heavy rain. Oh. Instead of floating up and away to safely biodegrade mm. in someone else's backyard, by the way, <laughs> yeah, right. 
that's that's part of the story that it doesn't get focused on too much on the articles that I read, but it's you know they are biodegradable, but still they're going to land somewhere exactly. eventually. Yeah, yeah. Cleveland's just like be free balloons. Yeah, go up to where the they're going to land with God and Jesus. <laughs> No, they're going to come down eventually. Yeah, well, that sounds like someone else's problem. I'm just going to go get a sandwich (laughs) or whatever Cleveland's famous for. (laughs) Uh, I don't know. White Castle? Oh, uh, steamers. Steamers. Cleveland steamers. That means food and nothing else. (laughs) Yep. Am I leaving that in? I'm leaving that in. Yeah, sure. Say anything wrong. We're talking about food. My regards to our fans in Cleveland. Yeah. (laughs) So the rain pushed the balloons down, and the majestic rainbow cloud quickly became a multicolored blanket collapsing back down onto the city. (laughs) Let's just go over a list of what this does to a city. Okay. Cleveland Burke Lakefront Airport had to be shut down for about half an hour due to clumps of balloons blanketing their runways. Uh, There were several traffic accidents caused either by swirls of balloons flooding onto the roads (laughs) or other drivers rubbernecking to check out what was hovering over their city. Nice. (laughs) What's that? A bunch of balloons? (laughs) Oh, James! (laughs) Yeah, it couldn't be. (laughs) Actually, can you imagine driving down to work or something or from work maybe and being oblivious, not knowing that this was going on, yeah. and then you just kind of like look over and you see <laughs> not not a handful of balloons. No, you see one point five million see like balloons. A Ghostbusters gozer friggin' amount of yeah. balloons blotting out the sun. <laughs> exactly. Seriously, that's a double. Check page. out the pictures. We're gonna post them and check them out because it is so real. <laughs> and I'm not at all surprised that it caused traffic accidents. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> a little bit more seriously, the balloon blizzard landed on a pasture in nearby Medina County, oh. and it spooked a bunch of prized and expensive Arabian horses that were kept in the pasture. And so they freaked out, caused permanent and serious injuries to themselves, and the owner successfully sued the city for $100,000. Jeez. So that's... That sucks. Level two. Yeah. Level three, most seriously, Bernard Sulzer and Raymond Broderick were two fishermen that were missing for a day prior to the historic balloon release. Okay. And the... Coast Guard found their capsized boat and they were searching for the two men when the water near the city was covered with balloons. Okay. And unfortunately, the bobbing head of a drowning person looks about the same as a balloon floating on the water. Uh-huh. They basically had to call off the search because they couldn't make any progress because the water was just blanketed in balloons. And eventually, the bodies of the two fishermen were washed ashore like a few days later. <sighs> but on the upside, they released a shitload of balloons in the air. Well, yeah, on the upside, fuck Mickey Mouse. Yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> I mean, if you're going to die for a cause. Maybe somebody from the United Way in Cleveland went to Disneyland and got like the runs at Disneyland. <laughs> yeah. And they were like, oh, I'm going to fucking show these guys. Yeah. Crap their pants on Space Mountain. <laughs> <laughs> that is the worst place to. <laughs> I remember going on Space Mountain actually as a kid. Yeah. And I was not old enough for that. <laughs> Scarred. <laughs> I think, I mean, clearly I was. They wouldn't have let me out. Well, I don't know. I was there like in the 80s. Maybe safety standards were different then. Yeah, sure. But I went on the ride with my dad and I remember the terror of that ride. (laughs) Well, that's the one that's completely dark, isn't it? Like it's like a roller coaster. Of death. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I did it a couple few years ago at Disneyland in in Los Angeles. And yeah, I kind of thought my daughter, like maybe she was a bit too young too. Yeah. So I just, my, my reactions were so over the top just for her benefit that 
that right. she ended up enjoying it. Like, did you hear dad? Nice. <laughs> <laughs> so, nice. That's a good strategy. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to keep that in mind. Keep it I, I love roller coasters oh, and so I, I want to make sure that my son does too. Yeah. But yeah, Space Mountain, I just wasn't, I think I'd love it now and I haven't had a chance to go on it, it was, since then, but yeah. I have a very like <laughs> marked memory of being terrified. Okay. Anyway, the point is maybe the, the, whoever organized this or initiated this had a similar experience right. on Space Mountain and was like, I'm going to, I'm going to find a way to screw Disneyland. <laughs> he probably had a worse experience than you. Cause you didn't come out of there. Like this organization will pay <laughs> what they've done to me. I will release 3 million. Balloons. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> so anyway, it's, it's not necessarily the case that uh, these two fishermen were like actively drowning and they just, the coast guard couldn't see them. Yeah. But having the coastline covered in balloons definitely didn't help in the rescue right. efforts. It sure. Didn't help their chances in the aftermath. The balloons, they were biodegradable degradable but that doesn't mean that they just vaporize as soon as they hit the land no there were complaints actually from the other side of lake erie in ontario canada <laughs> because they just they crossed the the great lake sure. and then stayed on the ground for months basically right. up to a month like when they say biodegradable what does that refer to time like months years yeah like i think the reports here is that they were on the ground for months <laughs> like you'd just be walking you'd be like Another fucking balloon. It's such Great. An Thanks, Cleveland. 80s move, like so short-sighted. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. we'll release these balloons. It'll be great. Yeah. What about, ah, don't worry about what about. Yeah, exactly. Where are they going to land? That sounds like someone else's <laughs> That's problem. That's not my problem. That doesn't sound like a Cleveland yeah. problem. <laughs> <laughs> What's going to happen? They're going to blanket the shoreline and impede the Coast Guard? Come on. What? Lighten up. Yeah. Or some other 80s slang chillax dude take a chill pill man there we go there chill go. pill yeah, yeah so balloons washed up on the cleveland beaches for weeks following the release and in rondo provincial park in ontario they estimated that there were about twelve thousand balloons <laughs> spread across the shoreline <laughs> friggin so i guess people are just like camping and they just be walking along the idyllic shoreline <laughs> tripping on balloons yeah, constantly yeah. dirty yeah filthy stupid balloons most importantly though as far as i can tell balloon fest 1986 still holds the record for largest mass balloon release <laughs> so thank you michael faraday and fuck you donald duck <laughs> <laughs> amen and that is the balloon fest 1986 nice so i told you i'd go from neurons to killer balloons and i made you it lying. i did it <laughs> yeah like three easy steps and i feel like it wasn't even that much of a stretch i've had larger stretches before once once you i mean faraday he invented the balloon for all yeah intents and purposes there you go and he's just worth yeah. mentioning because the faraday cage is super cool i a little bit of neat information there you go. about myself and faraday cages <laughs> about yourself too you got to talk about yourself <laughs> yeah <laughs> so music yeah the band i went with again for these tragedy tuesdays they're not necessarily directly connected a lot of times it's music that i'm listening to for now and this is a band that i always come back to well basically since i've learned about them yeah they've released one of my desert island albums right. so the band's called piebald and i think i've talked to you about them before oh yeah i don't know if you checked them out big favorite of yours they're kind of yeah indie rock pop punk they're originally from andover massachusetts the song i picked is from their 2002 album we are the only friends we have uh -huh. and it's called just a simple plan <laughs> And it's just like a super upbeat spring summer banger. It like thing makes me think of road trips to cottages and captures the feeling I think of Balloon Fest 1986, at least right until <laughs> the balloons started blanketing the city. Yeah, <laughs> it's just like super upbeat. And yeah, the, this album, uh, I, I love every song on it, and it's one of my desert island. Like if if I only had five albums for the rest of my life, it would absolutely be one of them. Okay, super fun band, cool. and it, this time of year. This is this is usually when I they start 
coming back into heavy rotation on my listening. This is super fun. Nice. Yeah. Good one. So that was a Tragedy Tuesday. Thanks for joining us. If you're wondering how to help us out, the best thing you can do is to tell a friend to listen. Here's what you do. You <laughs> get like... Make a friend. Let's say two and a half million party balloons. Oh, yeah, yeah. And you write a note <laughs> and you put those inside each one of the balloon and the note says listen to This Is A Disaster podcast. Uh -huh. You fill those balloons with helium and then you release them all at once on your city. Yeah, and be sure to put our personal information on that, on those, yeah. on those yeah. handwritten yeah. notes too. Don't do any of that, but do tell someone to listen to this podcast if you like what you hear. In a regular way. Uh, and also if you don't. You know what? Your, your taste doesn't define other people's tastes. So even if you hated it, be like, oh, hey, check this out. Do that one. <laughs> you know what? I hated this podcast, but like that kind of stuff's subjective, so maybe you'll like it. God. <laughs> what a weird person. The next best thing you can do is subscribe if you aren't already and leave a review wherever you listen. Those are also super helpful. Rating or review if you're on uh, Apple Podcasts. Those those help us get some exposure and get more people listening. Yep. If you want to keep up with what we're doing, you can check us out on social medias at This Disaster Pod, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook on our website, www.thisdisasterpod.com and our patreon.com slash thisdisasterpod where we've got those bi-weekly micro-disasters coming out now from Lee, myself, and our whole rogues gallery of <laughs> special guests. Exactly. There's one up from Nuclear Norm already, which is super cool and super creepy, I think. it's <laughs> He talks about... Well, you check it out. Yeah. It'll keep you up at night. It kept me up at night when I listened to it. <laughs> uh, probably have some from Gary as well, and who knows, maybe even Craig from Canadian History X. Yeah. I haven't talked to him about that yet. The whole extended be, family cool. here. This is a disaster. Exactly. Also, don't forget you got the t-shirt pre-orders open until the end of May, so you got about a week and a half to get in on that. We're making these to order, and we're not sure when we're doing the next batch, so if you want to get one, get one now. Get on it. Lee, you got anything to add? No, I don't. Not this week. Everyone, just enjoy your time at home. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> Get a helium-filled balloon and see what your dog yeah, has to. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, uh, I guess we'll see you in our next major disaster. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.